0: Yes, amen, and good morning to you. Thank you so much for coming to Dorisville. It is good to be in the house of the Lord today, and we're talking about a great doctrine. You know, our, our title over there in the lower right corner of our slide is Four Big Truths, and this is week number three, and you know, we talked about salvation. We talked about the fact that how Jesus um, was rejected so that we could be accepted, but this truth today is huge. You know, can you can you really, really know that you're saved and that you'll stay saved? It, can you really know that you're saved and that no matter what, you're going to stay saved? That's a great question, and that's what we want to talk about. We're going to talk about how we are stuck fast, stuck fast by God. God's amazing and wonderful grace today and how nothing can impact that. It was the 1920s when a guy got an idea of taking a piece of gauze and putting it to a piece of tape, and the Band-Aid was born. And sometime later, the company Band-Aid became, well, a company. And so in the 1970s, they came out with this little jingle, this little commercial, and I asked one of our guys about my age. I said, "Hey, do you remember this?" And he said, "Yeah." So, I wanted I just I didn't have this for the first service, but I had some time in between the two services to grab this, and uh, well, here you go. Just watch this. stuck on Sunday Remember, only Johnson & Johnson makes Band-Aid brand adhesive bandages with the unique Super Stick adhesive depend on the protection of America's number one bandage. I am stuck on Band-Aid because Band-Aid's stuck on me. Yeah, you're right. That is John Travolta. Yeah, in case you were wondering, yeah, it really was. Yeah, so yeah, so, so we are, you know, I am stuck on Band-Aids because Band-Aids are coming. And you notice the whole point of the commercial was not that each person, first off, each one involved water, whether it be the bath or the beach or the shower or a sweaty foot, whatever it might be, um, you know, the, it wasn't the person, watch, it wasn't the person holding the Band-Aid on. The whole point of the Band-Aid and that commercial and the super strength adhesive was that the Band-Aid was stuck to the person. And that is a wonderful picture of our eternal security in the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't hold on to him but rather, he holds on to us. And I'm telling you, of all the doctrines that are so important, this is one of them. Now, this is one of those sermons that are going to make you feel pretty good or might scare the bejeebies out of you. I don't know which one of the two. Um, I know this. You know, For some of you, you know, you're going to see and say, Oh, yeah, I, I know this. I know this is true in my life, that I've trusted Christ as my Savior. Boy, I'm great. I'm secure. It's so good to know that. But some of you might somewhere in the message, go, you know, I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. And that's, of all the things you want to be sure of, you want to be sure. I know you guys had a revival um, back before I came, probably 1999, somewhere in there. You had a revival. And I don't know what the guy preached, but I know the thrust of the message was is that you need to really be sure you're saved. And best I remember hearing the story, you know, about half the church showed up in the pastor's office wanting to get saved. Um, That's just why I remember, you know, the story being told to me. And, And that's not my point today. But my point is, one, I want you to know loud and clear, we can know that we're born again. And two, we need to know that we're born again. Well, let's quote quote old Albert Einstein one more time. He said, "Genius is making complex ideas simple, not making simple ideas complex. In other words, the the, genius, the genius idea is that we can take something that's very complex and make it simple, not the other way around. And there's this there's this idea today that we need to make, you know, to prove our intelligence, to prove how smart we are, um, that teachers." You know, and people, we we just feel like we need to really just make, man, we got to go deep with God. And deep with God means using words that nobody understands. But boy, it sure, you know, sounds impressive. Whereas I, you know, when I get to heaven, I'm going to say, Paul, couldn't you have done it just a little bit simpler? Hey, Paul, could you have written Romans just a little more simple? Because that's what Jesus did. Jesus was the greatest teacher ever, and he was known for talking to people in a way that they could understand. He would tell these great stories. You know, Albert would agree with Jesus. Yeah, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And then there's this this sideline. It's not original with me, I don't think. But likewise, you know, when the Bible makes sense, don't make nonsense of it. Okay? We We like to take a great biblical truth and pick it apart and then make nonsense of it. This, with this doctrine of the eternal security of the believer, can you really know that you're saved, and can you lose that salvation? People love to pick it apart. And, and there's a reason why, and we'll talk about that in just a moment, but there's a reason why for that. But I want to encourage you today, whether it's this doctrine or another doctrine, don't look about ways... Mm, this is fixing to be good. It just came to my mind. Don't look for ways to pick the, part, the Bible apart. Find ways to celebrate the truth of the Bible. And again, if it's true, then let it be true, and it makes sense. Don't make nonsense of it. So, so we have two questions this morning. Now, again, I need to take just a little bit of time. I, I'm aware of the time. You know, uh, go ahead and get the next slide, Eli. Now, I have two questions. You know, can a believer in Jesus Christ lose their salvation? Isn't that a great question, can he believe? Now, to really add validity to that, we've got to define this word believer because, you know, I love to watch Donnie Billman do his thing with benevolence because he's discovered an amazing truth. Did you know that everybody that comes into our office needing money is a Christian? I mean, almost invariably, almost invariably, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. And Donnie, that. he does such a great job. He shares the gospel virtually every time he faces a benevolence case. You know, do you go to church and where? uh, no. No, but you're a believer. Yeah, I'm a believer. I just don't, I don't, you know. And we run into this over and over and over again. So what is a believer? Why is there such disparity in what a believer should be and and what people live? Why is there such a disparity in that? And it's this Western culture that we live in. So what is, what does it mean to be a believer in Jesus Christ? Okay, it's more, trust me, it's more than just saying a prayer when you're seven. Okay, and it's more than just saying, I believe in Jesus. So I think probably you know what it means is it means first off this it means to coming to grips with that every person now listen this is important every person is a sinner in other words every person has offended God in one way or another you know the Bible says in Romans three twenty three all how many. Yeah. Don't forget that. Now it's important. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Later on, it says there is none righteous. No, not one. So we come to terms. So we admit to ourselves and to God, I know that I've sinned. And this is the big deal because, you know, people should receive, become a believer. We're going to talk about that in just a moment, become a believer to go to heaven. That's a cool idea, but that's not the main idea. The main idea of the reason we should become a Christ follower is we acknowledge that we've offended holy God that's the big picture so so we admit that we've sinned against God and then we start believing and we believe in what Jesus said who he was and what he did and why he did what he did we you start to believe and you do believe that that Jesus this guy died on a Roman cross okay God in the flesh um, he these songs were so beautiful today um, you know he died on that cross paying the price for our sin okay he did something that we couldn't do for ourselves he died for our sin um, and then They put him in a grave, and, and three days later, boom, he comes back to life. How incredible, how amazing is that? You believe that. You believe what he said, and you believe what he did, and you make it personal. So we admit to God that we've sinned, and we acknowledge and believe that his son made it possible for us to have forgiveness of sins. That's so big. It's so big. But now here's the part that's got lost in the wash somewhere. I don't know how we've done this, but I know it's important is that you don't hear too much anymore about the word repentance. Because again, you know, you know being a believer is more than just telling God you're sorry. Okay, boy, I, am I right? Am I the only one that when I pray, hey, God, I'm sorry, uh, you know, do the next thing. Hey, God, I'm sorry, you know. I'm sorry for the way things are in China. John Dever, excuse me. Okay, so yeah, so we always tell God we're sorry, but we're missing that key and element. And to be a believer in Jesus Christ, we've got to admit, and to be a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, we have to believe, okay? But to be a believer in Jesus Christ, we've got to repent. And you've seen me do this like 8,000 times. But to repent means you're going in one direction, and you turn and go in another. So to be a believer in Jesus Christ means to admit and to confess, but also to repent, to turn away from our sin, to go in opposite direction. It means, it means in your actions, okay? You know, and, and, boy, you know, read some of the Jesus stuff. You know, before Jesus, you hate your enemy. After Jesus, you're supposed to love your enemy. You know, before Jesus, someone slaps you in the face, you slap them back. After Jesus, you're supposed to turn the other cheek. It's amazing stuff. It's crazy stuff, it's amazing stuff. But it also means this a change in your attitudes. It's a change, it's a change on how you view things. You view life differently. You view priorities differently. You do, you admit, you you view differently, people differently. Okay? It's a big deal. So so you turn away from and you choose, you choose to follow Jesus. That's what it means to be a believer. Okay, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the first service. We'll get the other part a little bit later on. But so, so can a person who authentically, who truthfully has done that, okay, can a believer in Jesus Christ lose their salvation? Can can you lose what you got? Can somehow God like not want you saved anymore? Can you, can, Judy said this, I'm so proud of her. We were driving back, you know, somewhere, maybe from Georgia, and we're driving, uh, and she said this, she said, you know, so can a believer out sin God's grace? Isn't that a great thought? Isn't that a great thought, great words? Can a believer, can a true believer, can a true believer, you know, sin so much that he falls outside God's grace? That's the big question that's the big question. Can you mess up enough where you're outside of God's grace? That's the big question. Okay. So can a believer in Jesus Christ lose their salvation? Or, or once you are born again into the family of God, can you fall out of the family of God? So once you're in, can you get out? Once you're in, can you get out? Now I know, I know you can fall out with the family of God, that's why there's, in Marion, did you know there's a First Baptist Church, a Second Baptist Church, and the Third Baptist Church? Yeah, it's because some people fell out with the family of God. You know, we have people all the time that, that change churches because of this or that or this or that and this or that. I know you can fall out with the family of God, but that's not the question. Can you fall out of? Once you're in, can you fall out of the family of God? And I think that's such a hugely important question. So, our first teaching point. Starts by this, good old Corey Timboon, great lady, uh, gone on to be with the Lord now, Holocaust survivor, so wise. She said, now again, if you're a note taker, these are starting where you start to write circles and start writing down. In God's faithfulness, in, she's so right, in God's faithfulness, not in my performance, not in my ability, not whatever I can do, in God's faithfulness lies our eternal security. There's a whole lot of people out there who think, you know, hey, you know, we got to like, you know, keep doing. If you don't keep doing, you start losing. I'm not sure at what point you lose it, but at some point you lose it. So, So in God's faithfulness lies our eternal security. If a person, listen, if a person can't earn their salvation, and I think we're all on the same page there, I think we all, as good, good, bad, just would believe and understand. No, that's what the cross, that's what this was all about, was that we could not earn our salvation. So I think we're okay there. So, so if a person can't earn their salvation, why in the world? Why in the world would anyone think, by their merit, that they could keep it? What If we couldn't earn it in the first place, how are we going to be good enough to keep it? It's almost like, it's almost, when you start thinking this way, it's like, a, it's like the word hybrid. You know, hybrid didn't mean a whole lot until they started coming out with electric cars. And now there's an electric car. There's a hybrid car, though. And the hybrid car has you know, batteries and electric motors, but it also has the gas part. And generally speaking, the hybrid part is just for short distances. It kind of gets you going. You plug that sucker in at night and charge these batteries, and you might be able to go, oh, 20 or 30 miles on it. But beyond that, you need something else. And what you need is gas because you have a gas engine to take you the distance. That's how people think about their salvation. Oh, grace. Oh, I'm so glad for God's grace. It's wonderful, God's grace. For the first part. But then somewhere we get our minds messed up and we start thinking, yeah, I was saved by grace. I was saved by grace but I need something else to keep me saved. You know, Paul wrote a whole book in the Bible about this. Read the book of Galatians. He wrote to the church of Galatia because they were leaving the grace of God and going back to the law, thinking that, oh, you know, yeah, God saved me by grace, but i got to be good enough to keep it. That is like heresy, and you don't find that. And that's why this, this sermon is so important today. So, that's led to this confusion is all started by because we got so many people saying, yeah, I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian. And they're not like living it at all. And everybody's going, what do you mean eternal security? That's just, you just want a free pass. You, you know what you're wanting? You just want a license to license the sin. That's what they say about us. They you know that believe in eternal security. You just want a license to license the sin. Okay. So today we want to straighten, hopefully straighten that mess up. And then find out what the Bible says, what Jesus said about eternal um, security. There's a great quote by J. Vernon McGee, again, a great uh, preacher and Bible writer. You'd like him. He was common as dirt, common as dirt. And here's what he said I really like this. I believe in the eternal security of the true believer. The one we talked about, the one you know, who admits they're a sinner, they, they, they confess it to God, they believe, okay, they believe and they turn from their sins and follow. Now, by the way, that doesn't mean you're perfect. That doesn't mean you always get it right. It just means you're different than you were, okay? So, so I believe in the eternal security of the believer and in the insecurity of the made believer the make-believer, the person who, who knows the language, knows the lingo, knows how to dress, knows to at least occasionally go to church, okay? Yeah, yeah those, those, that's the make-believer. I was a make-believer. I was a make-believer until till, till my later on in my life, and I was either, depending on, I'm working on this, still, so by the way, working out through this, but you know, I've always said October uh, 26, 1975, but it may have been when I was 15 years old. I'm still working through that, but the bottom line is, I came to this point in my life, Up to that point, I was in church three times a week. I was at the work days. I was at the prayer meetings. You wanted me to date your daughter because I was so stinking religious. Wasn't bad looking either, but that's beside the point. Okay? But then I met Jesus. Then I met Jesus. And I went from make-believer. Oh, I look good on the outside. A make-believer to being a true believer. You know, admitting that I've sinned, you know, believing in what Jesus Christ did, and yes, turning from my sin, not always getting it right, but turning from my sin. I like what J. Vernon McGee said. Now, John must have had the same thought. John was the guy who was on Jesus' inner circle, Peter, James, and John, that guy. He wrote a book called 1 John and, cha- and a chapter, chapter 2, and it really, it really lays it out there. It's, it's a little scary. This is the part that might make you feel just a little bit uneasy. In 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 19, go ahead, guy, throw that up there, please. 1 John chapter 2, verse 19. Um, and he must, they must have had this problem, okay? They went out from us, but they were not of us. They, they, were part, they were part of the group, and then all of a sudden they weren't part of the group. And we see that a lot. I, I, we all know people that used to do the church Jesus thing, and then all of a sudden they weren't doing the church Jesus thing. And we, we all know people like this. And So apparently it was a problem way back 2,000 years ago you know when John was writing this. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. See, there's there's a reason they went out from us, but they were not of us. And the reason, though, they were not of us because they didn't continue with us. So that's the logic. For if they had been of us, they would have continued. But they didn't. And we all know people. Okay, we all know people that that's the case. But they went out. But they did go out. That it might become a plain that might be plain that they all were not of us. What? Yeah, see, see, there's got to be a reason. If 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 you start and don't finish, if, if you don't go, there's got to be a reason. And again, it has nothing to do with earning your salvation. Don't misread that. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you this is why, this is why, this is the uncomfortable part. We got to nail this down. We've got to nail this down because, you know, you can be wrong a lot about a lot of things. Buy the wrong car, marry the wrong spouse, the person, you know, get the wrong job, get the wrong degree, guys, you know, do this wrong, do that wrong. We all, yeah, we all know about that, and there are consequences, but you don't want to be wrong about this one. You want to make sure that whatever you got when you got it was the real deal. My first sermon, my first sermon I preached was, do you know that you know that you know. And I spoke that out of my own experience. Because all I knew is I'd been in church a lot, but I didn't meet Jesus till way down the road. And, and if, I'd have died, if I, if I if I'd have died, if I would have died, y'all would have come to my funeral. I'd have been probably 16, 15, I don't know how old, young. And oh, he was such a good boy. But I would have died without Jesus. And good boy won't get you into heaven. Good boy won't get you to heaven. So 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 what John is saying is we got to be certain. And in fact, that's our next teaching point. You know, the teaching point says this. You know, the essential thing, somebody say essential. Now listen, of all the things that you know about Jesus and God and church and whatever else you want to throw in that pot, the, the God pot, okay, the essential thing is this. The essential you can be wrong, you can join the wrong church, you know, you could be like Gina be a Methodist, you know. That was for you, Betty. He's my Methodist friend. You know, it doesn't matter. Okay, We all can be wrong about a lot of things, but you don't want to be wrong about this one. The essential thing is this. Make sure you are genuinely born again. And I'll tell you this. You know, not trying to frighten anybody, not trying to confuse anybody, but I will tell you this. It's so important that if you'd like, man, we don't have time this morning probably, but I'll be in the office this week, non vacation this week. I'll be in the office. And, you know, if, you, if you're sitting there going, you know, I've wondered about this. I've wondered about this. And I'd be glad to share with you my story and, and some scriptures. But, you know, I, I want you to know that you know. I want you to know that what you've got is real. And so if you want to come by the office, Brother Brent, the same way, I'm certain, Trey with certain things would love to meet with you and just share. So if you get home today and you go, you know, I've wondered about this. Now don't don't be confused. Well, I feel guilty. But that's because you're not perfect. But you know what I'm talking about. If you're thinking, you know, I don't I don't remember this real, I don't see, I don't remember this impact change um in my life, okay? Listen, you gotta remember this. The joining of a church. Just joining church. Just joining church. Uh, just getting religion. I've heard it said so many times over my 41 years in the past, well, I got religion. Or, or I joined a church, okay, or just turning over a new leaf, okay, will leave you at odds with a just God. Just doing will leave you at odds with a just God. Now, do you know why? Because joining a church or getting religion or turning over a new leaf doesn't solve the sin problem. If it coulda, if it woulda, this wasn't necessary. If we could join a church or give religion or turn over a new leaf, we wouldn't need the cross. Jesus wouldn't have suffered. Jesus wouldn't have died. But it won't and it can't. And it never will. You, we need Jesus. We need a genuine conversion experience with the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's just it's just so, so, so um, very um, important. Now, Jesus kind of explained it a different way. He was talking to a if you will, a seminary professor. professor. He was actually on the Sanhedrin, a guy named Nicodemus. He was way smart. He was way smart. And so he's having this conversation in John chapter 3 and verse number 5 and 7. Go ahead, Eli, throw that one up. There we go. Jesus answered, Jesus answered, talking to him, said, Truly I tell you, truly I tell you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit... He cannot enter the kingdom of God. So, in other words, to go to heaven, to have your sins forgiven, one birth won't get the job done. Okay? Now, again, most theologians agree, I certainly do, that when Jesus is saying born of water, he's talking about a physical birth. So, so we've all, obviously, been born physically one time. Okay? So everybody's got the one birth idea. Okay? But the one thing, the one birth won't get you to heaven. He says it. Unless a person is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. We need that second birth. Well, what is the second birth? It's believing what we talked about, becoming a believer in Jesus Christ, admitting that you have sinned against Holy God, believing in what Jesus Christ did, that He died for your sin. He proved He was the Son of God by resurrecting and then uh, uh, repenting and turning away and choosing to follow Jesus. So that's how you're born again. So unless someone is born of water and spirit, you can't enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of flesh is the flesh, and that's the problem. You know, without Jesus, all you got is flesh. And trust me, trust John MacArthur, trust Billy Graham, you pick the preacher that's preaching the gospel, and he'll tell you flesh ain't going to get the job done. So because whatever's born of flesh is flesh, and whatever is born of the spirit is what? Is spirit. is spirit. And then Jesus said, hey, don't be amazed at this. Don't be amazed. I've told you, you must be born again. And the great part is, the great part is, once you're born again, you're done. You're done. Ain't nothing that can happen to unchange. So this is just, that's why I say this is probably the biggest, biggest truth that you'll ever see. Our teaching point says this. Once you are truly saved, once you're truly a believer in Jesus Christ, you are held, now watch this, you are held by the character and nature and promises of the unchanging Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Once you are truly born again, you are held by God. See, you know, once we're born again, then we become God's responsibility. We're our own responsibility. And it leads nowhere. But once we're born again, truly born again, we become God's responsibility. It's the Father's responsibility. It's the Son's responsibility. And yes, it's the Holy Spirit's responsibility to hold us, to keep us, to save us, to be held by Him. It's, it's a marvelous thing. It's a marvelous thing that's a, that He can hold us no matter what. Because... Y'all had me for 23 years. You know, I mess up regularly. Sometimes I tell you from the pulpit and some things I don't, but I mess up regularly. But you know what? I'm hailed by Him. Yeah, you know, listen, I'm stuck on band-aids because band-aids is stuck on me. I'm stuck on Jesus because Jesus is stuck on me. And if you've been born again, let me tell you, you get stuck on Jesus, and that's what? You know, Jesus is stuck on you. It's a wonderful, wonderful. Wonderful truth. All right? So, so we need to look then, okay? And let, let me take a minute and throw this in. I got this big long quote by John MacArthur, but it's really, really good. And some of you might enjoy it, okay? So, John MacArthur said this, you know. Um, he said, if anyone attacks the security of the believer, and believe me, they do. I mean, I'm serious. You know, those in some circles, those who believe in the eternal security of the believer are laughed at. How can you believe that, that heresy? You know, I cannot believe it. I cannot not believe in it because the Bible's full of it. The New Testament's full of it. This, this sermon was so easy because it wasn't a matter of trying to find a verse. I had to try to eliminate verses because there's so many verses on the eternal security. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have what kind of life? Eternal life. I mean, you know, it's all over the place. It's all over the place, okay? So if anyone attacks the security of the believer, first of all, he is attacking God and claiming he changed his mind. Oh, well, I really, I really don't, I don't, I didn't really love the world. I just kind of made that up. You know, you know, I didn't, you know, the whosoever, whoever so believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. That, that, I didn't really mean that. I meant really only Americans get it. Black people get it. Black people get it. no, no. You're attacking God and claim, claiming he changed this verse. Second, you're attacking Christ and saying this, this was not adequate. This was not enough. You've got to add to it. You've got to do your works to keep it. Okay? So, so you're attacking uh, Christ and claiming his work on the cross was inadequate and that uh, his highly priestly work cannot maintain us. You're attacking Christ as priest. And the next slide says, you know, you know and then you're also attacking the Holy Spirit. And claiming he is inadequate to help the believer persevere. You know, this whole Christian thing is not us. It's God. It's God. Did you know the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves? Amen. Even the faith to believe comes from God. Even the power, woohoo come on now. Even the power to repent comes from God. You ain't got a whole lot in this game. All you did was believe in Jesus. That's all you did? I mean, it's incredible what God has done and is doing um, in our past. He is attacking the Holy Spirit, claiming he is inadequate to help the believer persevere. A discrediting of the Trinity is wrapped up in a denial of the security of the believer. This is an important, important truth. So, this is the candy now. Here comes the candy. What did Jesus say about this? Paul said to the left, but what did Jesus say? Well, we'll start here in John chapter 10, verse 28 and 29. And it's Jesus talking about the Father, himself and the Father. Okay, look at this. I will give... Now, I put my sheep here because the way the verses fell, all it said was, I give them. And I want to make sure you knew who them was. Them's not just anybody. Them, as you see in the context of the Scripture, them is the people who believe in Jesus, the sheep. Okay? I give my sheep, what kind of of life? Eternal life. I give my sheep eternal life, and they will, how long? Never perish. I give my sheep eternal life, and they will never perish. No one, how many? No, no one can snatch them away from me. No one. Now, here's what you need to know. I had a guy once say, yeah, I get what you're saying, preacher. I know my wife can't snatch me out of the hand. I know, I know my neighbor can't snatch me. But what if I want to snatch myself? Well, first off, if you're wanting to snatch yourself out, you probably ain't got it anyway. All right? But with that said, with that said, I want you to see there what it says. No one. If you're, if you're a someone, then you are a no one. Okay, if you are someone, if you're a person, then you're part of the no one. No one, no one can snatch them away from me. Well, why, Jesus? Why, verse 29, for my Father has given them to me. This is bigger than you thought. You thought it was just you trusted. It's bigger than that. No, listen. For my father has given them to me, and he is more powerful than anyone else. He's more powerful than your neighbor. He's more powerful. Come on now. He's more powerful than the devil. He's more powerful than all the demons of hell. And guess what? He's more powerful than your sin. See, you cannot outsend the grace of God. You cannot outsend the grace of God. For my Father has given them to me, and He is more powerful than anyone else. No one, no one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Is anybody feeling secure? This just sounds, I, I can't believe we're just sitting here going, well, yeah, I guess. You'll. Dude, this is big news. So, so when you mess up tomorrow, you're not going to get a knock on your door and say, Hi, this is the Holy Spirit. I've got really bad news. God the Father said, Oops, changed my mind. Oops, your grace account is empty. Oops, God don't know oops. He holds us. He holds us secure. No one can snatch them from the Father's hand. Well, it gets better. It gets better. Over John chapter 6 and verse number 37 The the second part of that verse, then verse 39. Whoever. Now, now who's whoever? That's whoever. (laughs) Whoever. See, that's what's so cool. If you're sitting here today and you say, but Dwayne, you don't know what I've done. Oh, but I do know this. God's grace is sufficient. There's no sin that he can't forgive. Amen. No, whoever comes to me, I will. How long? That sounds like eternal security to me. I've seen it before, and that looks like it to me. Whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And this is the will of him, the Father. This is the will of him who sent me that I should lose how much? Nothing. I shall lose nothing of all that he has given me but raise it up in the last day. That sounds like eternal security to me. That sounds like when you get the real deal, the real deal's got you. That sounds like to me that once you're born again, you're born again. You know, you can flap and flop all you want to, and the devil can want you, and the demons can want you, and your wife may not want you, but I'm just telling you, when you got the real deal, when you get born again, you're born again, and God ain't going to kick you out of the family. It's what I'm trying to tell you today. Yeah, go ahead and clap, would you mind? I need for you to clap because that's all I got. That's all I got. I ain't buying your lunch. (laughs) <laughs> well, you knew that anyway, didn't you? <laughs> All right. I oh, raise it up on the last day. Whoever comes to me, I will not, never cast out. And this is the will of Him. This is the will of Him who sent me that I should not lose anything that He has given me, but raise it up in the last day. It was it was R. C. Sproul who put it this way. He said, "We are secure not because we hold tightly to Jesus." Remember. The Band-Aid sticks, not because I hold it on. It's because the band aid stuck on me, okay? We are secure, not because we hold tightly to Jesus, but because he holds tightly to us. So, oh, yeah, listen, listen, listen. You, you, you get the real deal, and you're stuck for eternity. They, I just love it. Can I say it again? I know I'm repeating myself. But I really want you to take this home. There ain't nothing you can do. There isn't anything you can do. There's not anything you can do where God's going to say, you're out of the family. That's powerful. Go tell your friends that. You've got a friend who's a drug addict, been a drug addict all his life, and he's saying, God could never want me. you got someone who's committed adultery, and they're saying, God could never want me. you got somebody who says, I've been in prison for seven years. God could never want me. And the big news is, not only... Mm-mm, mm-mm. Not only does God want you, he can forgive you. Woo, Fix to have a shout and bow. He, not only does God want you, not only does God forgive you, can forgive you, but God will keep you. Yeah, I don't get any better than that. It don't, I mean, again, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know what they're selling across town in a church, but you doesn't get any better than that. He holds tightly to us. Do you need just a little bit more? I mean, what about that? You talked about Jesus, and you talked about you know, the Father. What about the Holy Spirit? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse... Yeah, Ezra, if he was here, be going, preach on, preach on. Ezra 1, 13... Or, Ezra. Uh, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. In him. Circle that if you're a note-taker. This is all in him. Who's to him? Jesus. In him. See, Romans chapter, this is funny. Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 says this. There is now therefore, then that's not Paul talking because he did. There is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. You know what that means, don't you? It's God's way of saying that when I forgave your sin, I forgave all of it. I forgave your past sins. I'm going to forgive the sins you're going to commit today. And I also forgave the sins you're going to forgive me. Listen, if all your sins forgiven, how are you going to lose your salvation? If all your sins are forgiven, how are you going to lose your salvation? In him, you were also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. That word sealed. Anybody here canned beans? You know, anybody doing cannon here? Yeah, yeah, you put that thing in the hot water, you put the lid on it, and the heat makes it suck down in vacuum, and all the germs are killed by the heat. That is the word literally, in the word sealed. You've been sealed that way, how? With the promised Holy Spirit. Well, how'd that happen? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed and kept all the rules. When you believed and you didn't sin anymore. When you believed and you finally got it right. Does it say that? Shoot, it does not. In Him, you also were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And when you believed, when you believed, the Holy Spirit is the down payment of our inheritance. Now, this is really cool. The word down payment there is literally the word earnest for earnest money. You know, Sonia Denison knows about it. She's a real estate agent. And when you want to buy a house, you give the person earnest money. And if you renege on the deal, you forfeit your earnest money. The Holy Spirit is the earnest money of our inheritance. When you were saved, God gave you the Holy Spirit as a down payment and earnest money. And the only way God can change his mind about your salvation is for him to forfeit the down payment. And God can't forfeit himself. Your down payment wasn't works. It wasn't your good word. It was him. It was the Holy Spirit. Your down payment of our inheritance. Until, how long, how long, how long? Until the redemption of our possession to the praise of his Jesus says, the Father gave them to me. I won't cast them out. The Father said, listen, I'm stronger than anybody, and no one can snatch you out of my hand, and then come along the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit seals us till the day of redemption. He's the down payment. I mean, friends, we are secure. If you are truly born again, you are secure in Jesus Christ. How incredible powerful is that? Now, let me put a bow on it. Over in the book of Jude, 1 chapter and verse number 24 of that one chapter, it says this. Now all glory to God. Now all glory to God, who is able, able to keep you from falling away. See, it's not you keeping you from falling away. It's God keeping you from falling away. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? Yeah. And, and maybe you all to buy my love. And 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 will bring you will bring you with great joy into His glorious presence, without what? A single fault, a single fault. He, he is going to keep you from falling away, and when He presents you to Himself, you'll be without a single fault. How's that possible, Dwayne? Because God forgave all your sins, because when Jesus was on the cross. Paul said that, you know, he who knew no sin became sin for us, that we might be the righteousness of God. We, we got his, we don't have our righteousness. We got Jesus' righteousness. So, going back 41 years, do you know that you know, that you know? Because if you know that you know that you know, ooh, what a deal. What a deal. So here's my offer today. If you're here today, and it may be on Facebook, and you know, the radio probably just turned us off, but in case they're still listening, you know, if you want to talk this week, I want you to know, I want you to leave this place knowing. So, so I want to give you that invitation again. We'll be having our time of decision. Brother Brent will be standing out front. The altar's open. If you want to come and talk, um, we can talk now, or we can talk during the week. But I want you to know, this is too good of a deal to pass up. Too good of a deal to pass up. So if you have valid questions, and we can talk about, why are you having doubts? We can talk about that. And trust me, I know because I used to have that problem really big in my life. So so we could come by the office or you can talk here. Um, I want you to know. And then secondly, if you do know, then, man, you got reason to celebrate. This, this, is, this is what some of the songs that we were singing today were all about. It's about this wonderful grace, a grace that we cannot, remember, out sin. Out sin. It's a grace worth sharing. Worth sharing. We're going to open the altar up in just a moment as the team sings, and they're going to sing, uh, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. We want you to experience and know that blessed assurance. Let's pray. Hey, Father, wow. My privilege today To share this truth. Thank you so much for that. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that you'll speak to our hearts. I pray for my friends, Father, today on the radio or on Facebook or in this room who may have been wrestling with this. May they have been wrestling with it. And you don't want us to wrestle. You want us to know. So give us that confident assurance. Um, Father, I pray for the ones who might not have it because they don't have it. Father, I don't know what they've been told or taught or what they've seen in Christians, but I know what I've seen in you, and you're never unfaithful. You're always faithful. So I want to pray, Father, God, that if there's someone here who's been wrestling with the issue of should they trust Jesus, that today would be that day. Today would be the day where they put their faith and trust in you. So have your way in our lives. And Jesus, I do pray this in your precious name. Amen. Hey, why don't we stand to our feet this morning as we sing.